Well, I am, uh, I'm excited to be speaking to you today on part two of this Out of the Cave series. I was able to speak last week to our, our Houston campus, and I know that Pastor Nick did an awesome job here at League City. He's a, pretty, he's a pretty awesome guy. I mean, did you hear what he said? The sandals of depression. I mean, that was, that was gold. I mean, that was good stuff, man. That was good. Uh, but today we're going to be jumping back into uh, uh, this series. And just to recap... Uh, what this story and what this series is all about. We're focusing on this prophet Elijah, who was such a powerful prophet, such a powerful uh, man of God. And we see so many incredible stories of him throughout scripture where he's just doing amazing things. God is working through him. He's a man of great faith. Uh, he was mentioned even in the New Testament. This is how highly heaven thinks of Elijah. He's at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ alongside Moses. So he's obviously one of these top-ranking people within the kingdom of God. Uh, and not only is he a mighty man of God, not only does he have a lot of faith and, and God works through him in miraculous ways, but when we study the man of Elijah, what we find is at his highest moments is when he faces the biggest attack on his soul. Last week, we talked about how Elijah got himself into this cave. He, he had this competition between himself and these prophets of Baal about whose God was going to accept the sacrifice. And there was, what, 850 prophets of Baal, and they're, they're, they're offering this sacrifice to this false pagan God. Their forms of worship are just barbaric. They're cutting themselves. They're, they're, they are, they're practicing human sacrifices and of course, their God doesn't respond. And Elijah kind of taunts them a little bit. Elijah's got so much confidence. I mean, he's taunting these, these prophets and he's saying, oh, maybe you need to, maybe you need to uh, speak a little bit louder. Maybe he's on vacation, your God. Maybe he's just indisposed at the moment. Maybe he's gone to the bathroom and that's why he can't respond to you. I mean, he's very confident in this moment. This is how confident he is. After they're done trying to offer their sacrifice, which isn't accepted, it's Elijah's turn. So he, he gets the, the uh, sacrifice on the altar, then he soaks it in water. I mean, he's dumping all these buckets of water on top of this altar. And how many of you know you can't really light something on fire if it's soaking wet, right? This is how confident he is. So he soaks the sacrifice, he prays to God, asks God to accept this offering, and boom, it's consumed by fire. He's proven, he's proven God to these pagan, God has proven himself to these uh, pagan uh, priests, and then we see another time where right after that story, actually, there's been three years of drought. It hasn't rained in three years. And Elijah prays this prayer, and a monsoon comes, and that drought is over. I mean, God has used this prophet in a mighty way, and it's right after these big victories where we see something super crazy and strange where it doesn't make sense, doesn't line up. He gets the equivalent of what would be like a mean tweet, okay? There's this mean queen Jezebel who basically sends a message to him you know doesn't send an army or anything just he gets this message says hey I'm going to kill you what you've done how you've embarrassed these people embarrassed me embarrassed my priests I'm going to kill you and you would think that after getting this mean tweet these mean comments on social media this mean text that he would be like what did you see what happened did you hear the reports did you not know that God consumed this fire did you not know that God, that God used me to end this drought? Like, you think he would have so much confidence that this weird, mean text that comes through, he could just blow it off. But it, it says that he was scared for his life. And he goes on this journey where he, he finds himself uh, under this bush, and he's, he's asking God to just 
take his life. He wound up in a cave. And last week we talked about the ways that we end up in a cave. And, and we, every week we try to provide you the notes. If you don't have a copy of these notes, can you raise your hand? I want to make sure that we get you a copy of these notes. There's a couple people in the back, a couple people over here. I think our ushers are probably out. Oh, Jeff's got it. If you will just keep your hand up for just a moment, we're going to make sure we get you a copy of these notes. But we want you to have these as a resource. We want you to be able to take these throughout the week, study them, go over them. And there's also a place on the back where we can help you pray and have devotion time uh, as well throughout the week. Thank you, Jeff. Let's give it up for my man, Jeff Cross. He's an amazing guy. We talked about the ways that we can end up in a cave. And a lot of times the ways we end, when we end up in caves is not just because of spiritual warfare. That was a big one that we talked about last week. But a lot of it is also a, a very practical, physical things. Our life can be out of balance. We can, we can be comparing ourselves to others. We can just have this constant negative self-talk. We, can have, uh, we, we don't process pain in a healthy way. We, we have isolation and loneliness. And that's different than solitude. I know we talked about that. Sometimes solitude is a good thing. But when you're withdrawing and isolating yourself, you're just kind of setting yourself up for an attack from the enemy. And of course, spiritual warfare. We know that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but against these other forces. And, and our great enemy, Satan, is trying to destroy us and keep us from living God's purpose. So that was all last week. If you missed that, you can go back online, go back on our YouTube page and, and watch that message because it really sets up what we're going to be talking about today. And that is how to get out of the cave. Any, anybody ever visited, like, uh, uh, I know I've gone to San Antonio before, and like, I forget what it's called, but there's a lot of caves up there, and you walk around for a tour and everything. It's dark in there. It's kind of freaky, right? Like, how dark it is. Like, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's really dark. And the thing about being in a cave like that, with it being so dark, you know there's a way out, but you just can't see it, right? But what is it when you get closer and closer to that exit point? What is it that helps guide you out? It's the light. It's the light. So today, that's what we're talking about. Out of the cave, stepping into the light. So let's jump right back into the story of Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 8. The story goes on. He lay under the bush, and he fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Elijah looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. This angel had brought him some food. And so he ate and he drank, then he went back to sleep. Like, this guy's got to be in a real funk if he is waking up to a supernatural meal that's been prepared by an angel, and he's just eating it and going back to sleep. Has anybody ever been there? Like, some days you're just like, I'm just going to get out of bed. I'm going to stuff my face with these kolaches. And then I'm going back to bed. That's where Elijah was at. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by that food. In a supernatural way, this, this, this food sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness until he reached Horeb, which is the mountain of God. And we're going to unpack this a little bit, but the first thing I want you to notice here is the angel shows up to tend to Elijah, his physical needs, to attend to his physical needs first. That was the priority for the angel. And that's the first way to get out of the cave that we're going to talk about. That is stepping into needed 
recovery. The first thing that, that God addressed for Elijah was his physical needs. This is deep, guys. This is about to be some really good teaching. I'm just letting you know. I've lived this out. I've experienced this. This is, this is so true how much our physical life, our physical health is tied to our spiritual health. And I'm going to dive into that in a moment. But I wonder how many times, I know I've been here, how many times I've been in, in amazing church services and heard amazing sermons and maybe even been in counseling sessions and heard some, some truths that are going to help free me, but I wasn't in a healthy place where I could receive it. I, wasn't, I hadn't been living my life in a way where I could hear those things and respond in a healthy way. I was so deep in that cave and developed all these uh, unhealthy lifestyles and, and habits where I couldn't respond to the truth that I was hearing. You see, before the angel sent him on this spiritual journey, he had Elijah nap and eat, not once but twice. Like he showed up a second time. He's like, okay, I guess the first one wasn't enough. We're going to continue to give you this physical sustenance here to help your body recover. You need a little more sleep. I mean, that's just, thank, thank you, Lord, for this word. Sometimes we just need to eat and take a nap. Amen. That's probably what I'm going to do this afternoon. <laughs> what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us to, to step into a needed recovery or, or, or have our physical needs taken care of? It just means getting our lives in order. It means getting our daily routines in order, getting our, our priorities straight. It means just taking control of the things that we can take control of, like our time, our diet, our physical activity. Last week, we touched on it a little bit, and we'll go back into it, spiritual order. I know Pastor Nick was here. He talked about it a little bit, and I talked about it at the Houston campus, but having proper spiritual order. Real quick, I'll just do like a mini teaching on this, which is so rich that it could be a whole sermon by itself, but you are a creation of three parts. You have an eternal spirit. Your eternal spirit is what allows you to be in relationship with God. That's what separates us from everything else in creation. God has given us an eternal spirit where we can know him and be known by him and be in relationship with him. We also have a soul. A lot of times in the Bible, it will talk about our heart or our mind. That's what our soul is. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we have a physical body. There is a lie in culture right now. There's a lie in the world right now that is telling people your body is not who you really are. And that is a lie. And in, in, in our Christian worldview, early on in, in, the, in the history of the church, there was this lie that creeped in, and it's rooted in Gnosticism, for anybody that's interested in researching this. But it's the, the belief that you are just a spiritual being trapped in this flesh, and that one day you'll be enlightened or you'll be freed from the chains of your physical body. I would encourage you to read the rest of the Bible where it talks about Jesus returning and what happens. We receive new bodies in heaven. We're not floating around as ethereal spirits. God's plan is always for you to have a body, even in heaven, for us to have glorified bodies where we can do the work of God. So I say all of that because I want you to know your physical being is as much a part of what God created you to be as your soul and your spirit. And so proper spiritual order looks like this. Your eternal spirit, the thing that can commune with God, the part of you that, that can know God, your eternal spirit being submitted to God, 
God's ways, God's, God's kingdom, God's way of living, and for you to bring your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul, into alignment and submission with that. And once you do that, you bring your body into submission to your soul. In other words, you are not a slave to your appetites. You do not follow every feeling and urge that your body produces. You are submitted in proper spiritual order, ultimately, to the will of God. And so when we talk about stepping into needed recovery, a lot of times it might just be getting in proper spiritual order, lining up your daily habits and routines so they are submitted ultimately to the will of God. This is what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. It's not in your notes today. It was in your notes last week. Maybe you'll remember it better. One handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. A lot of times we can get so busy, life can get so chaotic that we're going, we're going, we're going, and we don't have any time just to rest and to know God. Or just to rest and recover our minds. Your brain needs some sleep, people. The truth is, I'm going to tell you a truth. It's, in, it's not in your notes, but you can write this down. That if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. That if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. What do I mean by that? Well, they'll just, just walk into the mall. Just open Netflix. Just go on Facebook. Everybody's got an agenda for you. Every company, every, every movement, entertainment platforms, everybody's got an agenda for you. And how, how they want you to be part of what they're doing. They want your time. They want your energy. They want your resources. They want your commitment. They want your allegiance. They want your voice. They want your influence. Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says this. Teach us to number our days. And here's the sobering part. And recognize how few they are. Lord, teach us to number our days and recognize we don't have a lot of time on this earth living this life. Help us to spend our days as we should. That just means prioritizing things, getting things in the right order. Sometimes you do need a nap and a cheese enchilada, as my dad would say. <laughs> but it can't all be naps and cheese enchiladas. First Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12. So Elijah had gone on this 40-day, 40 40-night 40 journey after being sustained supernaturally by this meal, after having his physical needs taken care of. And he went into a cave and he spent the night. Remember where he's at. He's at the mountain of God. That's what scripture tells us. He's at the mountain where the presence of God is living. This is the Old Testament. We know in the New Testament, the new covenant that God dwells within us. It's Pentecost Sunday. That's what this is all about. But at the time, Elijah made his way to this mountain where the presence of God was. And he found a cave. He spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and asked, what are you doing here, Elijah? And listen to his response. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. These people, they've just rejected you, Lord. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. So he's crying a little bit. He's in his pity party in the cave. And the Lord said, go out. And stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. What an incredible moment. You think he would be thinking, oh, well, really? Like I'm I'm about to walk out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to see you? I'm gonna be in your presence. 
So he walks out. Then a great and powerful wind. I, I love this part in scripture because a lot of times I think in our minds, this is how we expect God to show up. And just a mighty, like thunderous, like very obvious, booming voice kind of way, right? So he walks out, and then there's a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in that wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earth, earthquake came a fire. Lord wasn't in the fire. And after all that came a gentle whisper. Earth, wind, and fire. I just realized that. <laughs> Maybe they were a Christian band. I don't know. The Lord wasn't in the big, booming displays of power, which a lot of times I think we look for. He was in the gentle whisper. You see, angel helped prepare Elijah physically so that he could get to this place where he is stepping into a God encounter. Stepping into a God encounter. Now, here's what I know. We're, we're talking about being in this cave. I've been there myself as someone who's grown up in church, who goes to church every week. And I think a lot of times we can be in this cave and be thinking, well, I go to church every Sunday. I, I go to all the events, I, I'm, whenever we're doing worship and they invite us to the front, I'm the first one up there. Like, why do I still feel all of these things if I'm, if I'm at these things, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? And it goes back to this example of these powerful displays versus this gentle whisper is that we look for the dynamic, but God is looking or God is in the intimate. We're looking for the dynamic. He's in the intimate. We're looking for those big displays of power, those big opportunities. But God is waiting for those intimate moments with you. And it's not as hard as you think to settle these things in your spirit. Let's look at scripture. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. Be still. I tell my kids that probably a thousand times a day. My God, just getting out of the house this morning. I don't know if you saw what, what happened during worship, but it was my kid that got brought in. Like Lauren's sitting here, we're worshiping together. And all of a sudden, here's my son, Ira. Like, they're like, I'm sorry. We just, he's crying. We don't know what to do. Anyways, sometimes you just need to be still. <laughs> Just be still and know that I am God. Sometimes it's that stillness, that quietness, that simplicity and intimacy of worship where we can just be still and know that he is God. Anybody in here, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at this question, but have you ever been, especially some of you seasoned believers, I say seasoned, I don't mean like, I just mean you've been doing this for I don't know how else to say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> how many times have you been in a cave, been going through something in life that's very difficult, full of depression, full of anxiety, and you're so distressed, you're so depressed, you don't even know where to begin. You can't even like muster the energy to start telling God about it. It's not that you don't know he's going to be faithful it's not that you don't know he's loving and forgiving, but it's just there's something, it's like a mental block almost where you're like, yeah, I'm going through this and I know what the answer is. I just can't seem to muster that within myself. I can't get the energy that I need, the desire that I need to just take it to God. Will you raise your hand if you've experienced that? I don't know how many times I've experienced that. I don't know how many times I have faced a battle in life and life has just smacked me upside my head and I've fallen down and I've known what I'm supposed to do. 
I know what the answer is. But I'll, I'll lay there for two or three days. And I'll mope around for a few days. And I'll just be consumed with my negative thoughts until finally, for whatever reason, I decide, okay, I've, I've wallowed in my self-pity enough. I'm ready to get out of this. And how is it that we find our way out? I'm willing to, I'm willing to bet that about 99% of us have this answer. It's through worship. It's through worship. Those moments where I've experienced that, where I've just been knocked down and I've known that God's going to be there for me, I just have to find it within myself just to go to him. It always happens through worship. It always happens where finally one day I'm just like, I've had enough and I'll, I'll go on YouTube and I have a few songs that always can just get right to my heart. And it's not songs about how faithful God has been to me and all the things that God can do for me. It's songs that just sing about who God is and his, his greatness. And I just let the song play and I let it sink into my spirit and I'll start singing and I'll start crying. And it's through that stillness and it's through those moments of worship where I can get out of that moment that God helps me because in that moment, it's, I'm like, everything comes back into perspective. Like, man, this really stinks. The situation I'm going through is awful. But God, look at, look at who you are. Look at who you are, Lord. You're worthy of my worship and you're worthy of my praise. I'm sorry that I've been withholding that from you. It's always through worship that I find the way out. And John chapter four tells us, God is searching for worshipers. He's searching for people who are gonna worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what stepping into the presence of God can do. Psalm 73, and if you read the entire chapter, the first 15 verses of this chapter, it's all complaining. It's like a lament. It's like, God, these people are so wicked. The world is so messed up. I've got all of these problems. And then verse 16 changes it a little bit. It says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Now, context here. The sanctuary of God is the place the presence of God was. It was confined to that place. And so this, this psalmist is writing here that I had all these problems. I was trying to understand it on my own, but the more I tried to understand it, the more it troubled me until I got in your presence. There's a scripture that says it's the peace of God that passes all understanding, surpasses all understanding. This is important for you to know too. Distinction. The peace of God does not mean you're going to understand everything about what's going on in your life. It just means you're going to have peace and you can't explain why you have peace. So sometimes we just need to stop trying to figure things out. Sometimes we need to stop trying to do things our own way. Sometimes we need to get our priorities in order and we need to get in the presence of God. 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 13 through 14. When Elijah heard that gentle whisper, he'd experienced all the powerful displays. God wasn't there, but then he heard that gentle whisper. He pulled his cloak over his face. Now that's an important part to remember. So just log it in. We're going to come back to it in just a moment. He pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Question comes a second time. And he replies again, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Still complaining with his face covered. The, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. He's going through the same. He's just the same old. This is it's crazy. 
how he can experience this incredible display of God's power and, and then find God in this gentle whisper and he still is like, there are so many problems, God. I'm the only one. They're trying to kill me. Now, what is the significance of him covering his face? Scripture said before he went out, he heard the gentle whisper of God and before he goes out, he covers his face. That's his identity. Like, my face is how you know who I am. My face is how the world knows who I am. But he covered his face. He, 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 um, he covered his identity like he had lost his confidence, like he was ashamed of who he was. And he covered his face before he went out to meet with God. I think after the threat, the mean tweet that came through from Jezebel, he just lost confidence in who he was. And sometimes people will say things about us that will pollute our spirits. Sometimes people will leave mean comments on social media. Sometimes our loved ones will talk about us behind our backs. Sometimes people will lie about us or gossip about us. And those things can get into us and just pollute our spirit, mess with our emotions. But don't believe that narrative. Don't believe the narrative of what the world says. Don't believe the narrative of what other people say. Believe what God says about you. That's the, that's the third way, how to get out of the cave, is stepping into your true identity. Not the labels that people have given you. Not the labels you have given yourself. Stepping into your true identity. This is something I've struggled with. Growing up, I was the pastor's son. That was my identity. My, my whole world. I went to this church, grew up, went to our private Christian school. I mean, I, I, the, everything about who I was was, that's, that's Jim Kilgore's son. And that's, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm, I'm thankful for God's blessings, the way that he is. My, I'm thankful for my family and the way he's just ordered my life. I'm very thankful for that. But you see how dangerous it is. Even if it's a good thing, that's not my identity. I have an identity. And so growing up, you know, that, that was, I always felt like I needed to prove myself or, or be a little bit different. And that always, for some reason, came out in the form of like aggression. I don't know. I don't know. That, but I tried to figure it out for myself, and that led me to join the Marines. And I was going to prove myself and form my own identity, and uh, I got it wrong. See, I didn't like the identity that people were trying to give me, so I was going to figure it out for myself, and then the identity I created for myself was not the right one. Made all kinds of mistakes. I found myself in a place where now I was listening to the lies of other people. I just had no clue. I was not rooted in my true identity. There's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that says, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I had, in my pride and arrogance, I had given my consent to the world and to others and to the enemy to tell me who I was. So I got to that moment, I needed to step into my true identity, my identity in Christ. Every single one of us, every single one of you, you have an identity in Christ. And it's not what the world says you are. It's not what others say you are. And it's not even what you say you are. It's what God says you are. And I encourage you to sit down in prayer and in worship and put pen to paper and, and write things out. And maybe you write things out as you're praying and this doesn't sit right with you. That's fine. Just keep talking to God. Who do you say I am? Because you need to get very specific. 
I, I, I'm doing this. That's why I'm saying this to you because I'm, I'm working through this exercise where I'm just like, God, tell me who I am. Tell me who you say I am. And I'm writing things down. And when God confirms to me, yes, this is part of who you are. I, wanna, I want like a whole book describing this is who God says I am. This is what I'm meant to do with my life. This is how I can grow God's kingdom. This is how I can be an influence, a godly influence for others. This is how I can be a righteous man that stands against wickedness in the culture. This is how I can be a man that proclaims the gospel I mean, that's my identity in Christ. And I, like, I want to be focused on that. I want to be rooted in that identity. I don't want to be rooted in my mistakes and in my failures. I don't want to be rooted in the idea of what somebody else has for me. I want to be rooted, my identity rooted in who Christ says I am. Now, you notice as Elijah is hurling all these complaints with his face covered God doesn't ever really address any of those complaints. He doesn't say, okay, well, hold on, Elijah. Let's really, let's think about this. Let's dissect this. God just commands Elijah, just says, go back the way you came. We're about to read it. But I want to give you the context here. The thing that God's about to tell Elijah is go back the way you came. And it's important to know where he had come from. He'd come from a place called Beersheba. The significance of this place, Beersheba, for Elijah, is that's the place where he took an oath to God, where he made an oath to serve God. That's where Elijah stood and said, I don't belong to myself any longer. God, I belong to you. And so God's about to tell him, you need to go back the way you came. God's saying, you forgot your purpose, Elijah. You, you forgot the oath you made to me, so go back the way you came. Go back to where you made that oath and re-up. 1 Kings chapter 19, let's look at that. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah. I'm nailing these names, by the way, guys. <laughs> to succeed you as prophet. So look at this. He said, go back the way you came. You forgot your purpose. By the way, I've got an assignment for you. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Haziel, I think. And Elijah will put to death any who escape the, the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Oh, Elijah, you think you're all alone? You think you're the only one? You're up here wallowing in your pity party, but I still have an assignment for you. You have forgotten your purpose, Elijah. There's actually 7,000 others who have not bowed before Baal. And they're waiting for you to fulfill your purpose. That's how we get out of the cave. Sometimes it looks like stepping into a new assignment. This one is especially important, I think, if you are a longtime follower of Christ and you have found yourself in a cave and you're just wondering, well, how am I here? How am I here? I mean, I, I've not fallen into any kind of sin. I, I, I don't have any kind of moral failure. I, I, still, I still read my Bible. I can still experience the presence of God. Like, why is it that I feel like, like I'm just stuck? A lot of times it's you need to step into a new assignment. A lot of times it might be that God just has something new for you to do, something more for you to do, serving the local body, serving his kingdom in a new way. 
And he's just waiting for you to say, hey, he's just waiting for you to take that step. I mean, he's like, hey, I've got this opportunity where you can step in and influence these people, just like with Elijah. You can anoint this person, anoint this person, and this person. Maybe it's a new assignment. This all comes down to living with purpose. We talk about that so much, discovering the life that God has for you, living in the, in the purpose that God has for your life. It just means doing something with your life that matters. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. I mean, that with us, if we don't have a vision for our lives, a purpose for our life, if we are not focused on that purpose, if we don't have a vision and purpose that is built around God's kingdom, if we don't have a God-given, kingdom-centered purpose, we will be tossed around in the wind like a plastic bag on I-45 that's just getting stuck on the fronts of random people's cars, don't you hate it when that happens? If you are not grounded in living out a purpose that God has given you for your life, you will chase unfruitful and meaningless things. You will never feel satisfied or fulfilled with any endeavor. If you're deep in a cave, maybe it's a new assignment that God has for you. There's a quote from Viktor Frankl. We talked about him a little bit last week. But he says, this is the man who helped so many Holocaust survivors that he helped them with this program where they came to him and, and he said all of them felt suicidal. After what they had experienced, they got to this place where they didn't want to live anymore. The way he helped them through that, people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. Man, how applicable is that to us today as Americans where there is an abundance of things for us. We had a lot to live by, a lot of entertainment. We can go to the store. I can go to Taco Bell and get a 99 cent burrito. Man, that's, don't do that. It's disgusting. <laughs> Remember, your body is, never mind. People have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have the means, but no meaning. They're just drifting around like a plastic bag. And maybe life has beaten you down lately. Maybe you're not sure how to just like refocus on that purpose. How can you step into a new assignment right now where you just feel like you're so beat up? Well, let's look at a great example. The Apostle Paul, who five times, the Bible tells us, he was, he was whipped 39 lashes, five times. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake, constantly harassed. He, he was lost at sea, and he was stoned, not the good way. Not that it's a good way. He was stoned. I heard, uh, I heard somebody uh, say that one time the pastor was talking about all these different things that Paul had uh, experienced, all these hardships, and the last one was that he, and he was stoned. And the guy said, well, at least, he, at least he had a way to cope with it. Like, no, not that kind of stone. Like people threw rocks at him, okay? This is a man who faced uh, a lot of hardship. Life had beaten him up. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That takes some grit to be that kind of person. That takes some confidence in knowing who you are and what your purpose is for you to say, I haven't lost heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary trouble. Light and momentary, Paul, what are you, what are you maybe you are stoned. What are you talking about? Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Man, you know what's happening here is that Paul had something bigger to focus his life on than his troubles. 
And if you don't have something bigger in your life, something bigger than your problems, you will get lost in that cave. So we fix our eyes. This is what Paul says. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but, what, but, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So how are we talking about getting out of the cave? We're talking about you know, getting our lives in order, getting our priorities right, getting physically healthy, cultivating the presence of God in our life, finding God's purpose for our life. Maybe it's stepping into this new assignment like we're talking about. And what an awesome opportunity you have today to go to Discover Life, this event that we have for you. I encourage you, if you, I know it's Memorial Day weekend. I, I spent time getting sunburned yesterday. So maybe that's your plans for today is to go somewhere and get sunburned. Reapply after an hour. That's all. I didn't do that and it was a mistake. But right after this service, we have something called Discover Life. This is an event for you just to come and meet our team, find out more about everything that we do at Life Church. We're going to give you this book called the Discover Life book. It literally tells you everything that we do. It tells you the ways that you can have spiritual growth. It tells you the ways that you can get plugged in with life groups or join discipleship groups and how you can step into ministry, how you can step into this new assignment. And it's not just for guests, Life Church family. It's for all of you that have been coming to Life Church. Maybe you've gone through growth track back in the day. It's okay for you to come to this event and just say, I'm just looking for something new. I'm looking for a new way. I'm looking for a fresh start. I'm looking for more ways that I can help serve my church family. Just come to this event, hang out. It's not a class. You're not going to be filling in blanks or anything like that. It's just hanging out and getting some resources and figuring out what your next step is. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Elijah went from there, found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So Elijah went up to him and he, Elijah took his cloak and threw it around Elisha. Elijah, Elisha. Okay, Elijah, Elisha is the one that replaced or took the mantle from Elijah as the next prophet. And this is the next part that I want to talk to you about. What does that symbolize as Elijah threw his cloak around Elisha? It's that he wasn't going to have to do that alone anymore. He wasn't going to have to do life alone anymore. And sometimes stepping out of the cave, stepping into the light is into stepping into uh, relational strength. Stepping into relational strength. Can I tell you what early on was a real struggle for me? When I first, after God saved me and, and I had this incredible encounter with him and, and he was starting to work on me and work some things out of my life. You know what one of my biggest problems was? And it wasn't about anybody else's my problem is that I was still surrounding myself with the wrong people and not surrounding myself with the right people. I still had, I still had a group of friends that to this day, they're my friends. I love them. But I would get myself in environments with them where I would fall and mess up again. It wasn't until I started getting the right people into my life, some strong Christian friendships. I'm so thankful for these friendships that I have. I'm thankful for Pastor Nick. Man, me and Pastor Nick yesterday hung out, went to the gym. This dude is a lot stronger than me, by the way. <laughs> a lot stronger than me. But we hung out, we lifted weights, we got to talk. But you know what? This is somebody who just helps me through life. I draw strength from him. Dude, I love you, bro. You and your wife, two of my favorite people in the world. So thankful for you. You have an incredible campus pastor. Incredible campus pastor. We've been friends for a long time, and now I'm thankful we get to do ministry together. I'm thankful for Pastor Tito. I'm thankful for my brother. 
I'm thankful for these friends I have around the Houston area. They're strong Christian men who help me and hold me accountable. I'm thankful for people across the country that I don't get to see very often, but I can text them when I'm going through a hard time. Pastor Ethan Boggs over in Mississippi. I'm thankful I have friends like that where I can just text them and say, man, I'm really struggling with this. Will you help me pray? Let's jump on the phone. Pastor Phil Daigle, jump on the phone with him. You know, if you're talking to Phil, it's going to be a two-hour conversation, but it's all good. Like you need some of those friendships. You don't need the friendships. Man, you don't need those friendships where when you jump on the phone, they're just pulling you deeper into the cave, right? You don't need those friendships. Like if your circle of friends are people that are like keeping you in that cave, like, nah, come on, let's go do this. Let's get involved with this. Or yeah, they are stupid. You should go fight them. You, you know, you need to surround yourself with the right people. There's a quote from uh, Kevin Eikenberry says this, look carefully at the closest associations in your life. That's the direction you are headed. Man, that is a lot of wisdom right there. There's, this, there's a scripture in Proverbs. I wish I would have put it in here. It just came to me. There's a scripture in Proverbs. A certain translation says, if you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. Like the Bible says that. If you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. Some of you got some stupid friends. I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Let me tell you how to do this. You certainly don't want to ice people, cut people out of your life, right? Let's go back to the first point. It's about priorities. It's about boundaries. It's about establishing who you are. This is what I will do. This is what I will not do. This is where I will go. This is where I will not go. This is what I will think. This is what I will not think. And from that, you can establish these boundaries that are going to help you and protect you. But you got to have relational strength with others. Get the right friends around you. Get the right mentors in your life. Get the right companions. That's why men, you should be... Mark, will you raise your hand? Mark is our, is our leader for our men's ministry here at Life Church. Every man at this campus, he comes to League City. He's here every Sunday, unless he's taking vacation or something, which is fine. You're allowed to miss a couple Sundays then, Mark. But every man in this place, you should know Mark. You should know them. You should know what's going on with our, our men's events, our men's groups, these functions that we have once a month. When's the next men's night coming up in June? June 21st. June 21st. There's one Friday a month where we meet, all the men meet here. We have a time of Bible study and worship. And it's just an awesome time for us to come together and be this circle that we're talking about. These people surrounding you, they're going to help you and encourage you. So task for you, men. Meet Mark, Okay. Meet Mark, talk to him, figure out how you can get in one of these men's groups. Same for the ladies. Pam Jones, she was here. I know she just walked out. That's okay. Pam Jones is our ladies rep here at League City. All of you ladies need to know Pam. Need to know what's going on with our ladies groups here at Life Church in League City, discipleship groups, just opportunities for you to meet and know your life family, your church family, so we can do life together. The same goes for, for our life kids. I'm so thankful. You know, Lauren and I, my wife, I, I go to different campuses every Sunday, and Lauren and I recognize, like, that's not really good for our kids. You know, our kids, they need to be plugged in to a life group or to a life kids ministry where they're with the same kids every week, where they're with the same teachers and same, same people serving them and leading them. And, and we, we know that's what would be good for them. And it's the same for, for all of our kids, getting them connected to that ministry, getting them, getting them around other kids and around these, these teachers who are pouring into them for students. Know what's going on with students. Is Ashley here today? Ashley is our students rep, but in her absence, I'm just going to go to Pastor Nick. 
If you are a parent of a student in high school or junior high, talk to Pastor Nick. Let's talk about how to get them connected and all the different things that are going on. Uh, Some of you, we're talking about new assignments. Some of you, it could be you stepping into a new assignment where you are that relational strength. And I'll invite the band to come back at this time. But there's a lot of people in here, maybe you are that relational strength. Maybe you are somebody with a lot of wisdom, with a lot of success. Maybe you are someone that has a lot of experience living out your faith. Maybe you're a man in this place that has served in ministry at a high level, that has been at church for a long time, that you can make a difference in other people's lives and you should just volunteer. Hey, I'll come to the men's events and I'll just be a presence there. I'll just make myself known to these other men. Ladies, same for you. Maybe that's, maybe that's your new assignment is just making yourself more available to impact the lives of people in your church family and providing that relational strength to others. Will you please stand with me? This is how we've talked about getting out of the cave. And if you have your notes and hold on to this, you can refresh yourself through the week. But we're talking about getting our physical lives in order seeking God's presence, knowing our true identity in Christ, stepping into a new, new assignment, basically just activating God's purpose in your life and getting some relational strength. And it starts with a step. It always starts with a step. It starts with a step. Maybe that step is repentance. Maybe your life is out of order. When it comes to that spiritual order we talked about, getting your physical life right? Look, that doesn't just mean, you know, what you're putting into your body and the way you treat your body and how much are you exercising. I don't want you to think that's what I'm talking about, even though that is true. And that's part of it. It's also your priorities of what you're doing with your time and who you're staying, who you're hanging around and what are your habits? Like, what are you watching? Like, what are you listening to? Like, what are you allowing your mind to dwell on? Because if you're going to get your priorities straight and get your physical life in order, there might be some things you need to repent of. What is repentance? It means leaving that thing behind. Leaving it behind. Recognizing that it is bad for you, that it is unhealthy, that it is sinful, that it does not honor God or align with his purpose uh, for your life or your identity in him and leaving it behind. Maybe it's a confession. Maybe there's been something going on Or maybe it's not even like a secret, like it would make you look bad, but there's something you just need to confess. Like, I am struggling with depression right now. I am struggling with suicidal thoughts right now. Maybe if there's that confession that needs to come out today, take that step. I'm gonna invite our prayer team right now to make their way to the front. Maybe your next step is just walking in faith, coming up, asking for prayer, asking for support, asking for strength. I'm inviting you to take that next step today. I'm inviting you to say, hey, I've got this going on. I'm ready to leave these things behind. I'm ready to get my life in order. I'm ready to get my priorities straight. I'm ready to repent of this thing. I need to confess of this. I want to get out of the cave. I want to get out of the cave. I love you guys. I love you so much. Love this church. I'm so thankful for what God is doing. Because I look around this room and I just see so many testimonies. 
I see so many testimonies of people who God has helped get out of a cave. And I'm one of them. And I believe that today there's somebody that's walked in. They're heavy with depression. They're feeling despair. They don't know what to do, where to go. I'm believing. I'm believing that together we can all get out of this cave. I'm believing that today you take that step of faith where you come to repentance, you confess, or you just say, hey, this, I just want somebody to be aware of what's going on in my life. Will you pray for me? I'm believing that that can happen for people today. So I'd like to ask everybody, would you close your eyes, bow your heads? I'm gonna pray for you, but before I do, I'm gonna ask some questions. And at this time, I wanna ask even the band, close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around except me, Pastor Nick. If you walked in this place, you feel like you're in a cave. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You've tried to figure it out all on your own. You've tried your own understanding, your own ways. And you feel like you're just lost in the dark in your own cave. Would you just raise your hand? Can you just be bold in this moment to say, hey, I'm there. I'm deep in that cave. Lord Jesus, you see every hand raised and you see every heart behind that hand. You see every soul behind that hand. You see the situation. You see all the thoughts. You see everything going on, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, God, I pray for your peace in this moment. I come against those thoughts from the enemy, that, self, that self-talk, that negative self-talk, that doubt, that despair. I come against those attacks in the name of Jesus. And instead, Lord, we just ask your peace to fill our minds, your hope to fill our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in this place, God. Let us feel your presence guide us out of this cave. It's only, it's only doing things your way, Lord. It's only following after you. You're the only one that can get us out of this cave, Lord. All of these things that we've talked about today, this is, it's all about you, Lord. It's all about focusing on you and following after you and submitting ourselves to you. That's the way out of the cave. Ordering our lives after you, Lord. It's all about you. And for every hand that was lifted, I pray that today those chains would begin to break. Those thoughts would begin to cease. That they would begin to see the light, Lord. That they would begin to see the way out, Lord. I pray for improvement in the situations. If it's some kind of financial issue or if it's some kind of injustice that's been done against them, Lord if it's some kind of tension in their family and in their relationships, if there's something going on on the job, God, I pray that you would start opening doors and making ways for those, what, those things to be resolved in Jesus' name. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker, God. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing impossible for you. There's some people here that might be facing impossible situations. You are the answer, Lord. I'm going to ask one more question. Again, only people looking is me and Nick. We want to know because we want to pray for you. We want to help you take your next step. If you're willing to say, you know what? I'm in the cave because I know I've got these things going on in my life that are not honoring to God, that I haven't really submitted my life to him the way that I should, that I haven't truly made him my king, where I'm following after him, where I'm becoming more and more like him. And today I'm ready to lay my life down and surrender it to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Oh, Lord, I thank you. 
I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful for these young people that have raised their hands today, God. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm just so thankful that the people that raised their hands in this building I'm sorry. I'm not going to say names, but man, Life Church, the people that raised their hands just now, that's the next generation. That's our young people. Every hand that went up was somebody, Gen Z. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for these young people that are hungry for you, Lord. My God. Oh, my God. I pray your blessing on them, Lord. Oh, they are encountering, they are encountering a world like none of us can relate to, like none of us have encountered before. They are encountering spiritual attacks like we have never experienced, Lord. They are walking through things and threats and battles that none of us can relate to. And yet they're here saying, I'm surrendering to you, Jesus. We thank you, God. I celebrate that, Lord. Oh, you're going to use them in a mighty way, Lord. You are going to use them in a mighty way. They're going to be a voice in the darkness. They're going to be a light shining in the darkness. They're going to be the salt of the earth. They are anointed. They are highly favored. They are not their mistakes. They are not their failures. They are who you say they are. We thank you so much, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, that we can find you in that gentle whisper that you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's what I would like to do. I'm going to ask, if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. Our altar is open. I'm just inviting anybody that will. I'm inviting you to find a prayer team partner. I'm inviting you, if you want to just worship in the altar area, the areas on the sides of this altar. There's a lot of room. You can come now. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. You can come now. You don't have to wait till the band starts playing. You don't have to wait for me to walk off the stage. I'm just inviting you now to come. Let's fill this altar area. Let's worship together. Let's find prayer partners. Lord, we worship you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you make a way. We thank you that you lead us out. We thank you that you can work miracles, that you can work out impossible situations. And we give you all the glory today. We give you all the honor. You are worthy to be praised. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how we feel, you are worthy to be praised, Jesus. You are good, you are mighty, you are righteous. There is no one like you. There is no one like you. Come on, one more time. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise and let's worship together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.